You don't get suspicious when, when your analyst calls you up at three in the morning and weeps into the telephone? TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Happy Friday to you. Hope it's the start of a good weekend for you. Let's say hello to you. Wait a minute. That's not bad boy Benny Mathers. That looks like tall, tall guy, guy Nathan. Tall guy Nathan <laughs> Miller. How are you doing today? Good Nathan? morning. And a double dose of you this weekend. <laughs> good morning and happy afternoon to you over there in the Florida realm. And yeah, I get to say a happy Friday to you instead of a happy Saturday like we usually do. And Friday, always a very happy day when it's the end of the work week. And we get to look forward to the weekend ahead. Well, we're just very happy to see that uh, life is good. We're all here. We're still in the sunshine. You've got a high of about 60 today, but it seems like within the last couple of days, it wasn't so bad. No, it's uh, been a pretty pleasant week. You know, we've had our spells of rain, especially on Monday. It was kind of a bit stormy. I was out playing pool, as you know, and... Uh, suddenly the, there was a power surge and the only lights that were on was the lights above the pool tables and everybody's sitting at the back desks trying to keep score and they're struggling and they all got their flashlights on and it was like a hybrid power outage day in a way. Wow. Well, better that than playing pool in the rain. Yeah, exactly. There are some outdoor tables, which would be interesting to try. In summer, in July. Yes. <laughs> Uh, well, let's get started here. Dr. Bernard Beitman is our guest once again. We are delighted to have him with us. He has an <laughs> exceptional mind, and he has a, a, a view of reality that is open-mindedness to a, a degree that I admire. So we're definitely going to be looking forward to talking to him today. Uh, Suzanne, you in particular... Uh, really spoke to me on numerous occasions since our last visit with Dr. Beitman about his book, Meaningful Coincidences. The subtitle is How and Why Synchronicity and Serendipity Happen. We read this book cover to cover, and we made so many notes to talk to Dr. Beitman about that we actually had him on twice, pretty close in pretty close succession last year when we finished the book. We had him on September 9 and November 18 of last year, because he talks about four different types of synchronicity. And so we, we kind of divided the book in that way. And we talked about the first couple of types of synchronicity in, on September 9. And then we talked about the other two types of synchronicity on November 18. We're not going to go over all of that same information that we did a year ago, because there was something he said at the end of the second interview that really caught our attention, and it had to do with telepathy. Okay. And so we said when we put together our third interview, which is today, that we would make sure that we included a lot of that in our conversation so we're having him back for the third time, and I want to make sure that I give him his mad props before we bring him on. He's here waiting. 
Bernard Beitman, MD, a graduate of Yale Medical School, did his psychiatric residency at Stanford University, the former chair of psychiatry at the University of Missouri Columbia Medical School for 17 years. He writes a blog for Psychology Today on Coincidence and is the co-author of the award-winning book, Learning Psychotherapy. The founder of the Coincidence Project, which we're going to talk more about, he lives in Charlottesville, Virginia, and we are very happy to have him back for the third time on Manson Mitchell. Welcome, Dr. Beitman. Uh, thank you for having me back. It's great to see both of you or hear both of you. Very good. Very good. Well, we took so many notes. We took a full page of notes when we read your book, and I really was enjoying it quite a bit. Gary said, I want to talk more about telepathy when we have him back. And, and so we're kind of gearing our interview today more in that direction. So we can go in any direction that you wish. That's true. Doc. That's true. We're pretty open. Uh, let, me, let me give you an example there. So this will help to set the table. Uh, I, I was thinking of someone in uh this is a long long time ago but i was thinking about this person from whom i had not heard there and i actually just mouthed the words i was alone in my office at the time give me a call i was closing up for the day and i said give me a call and the next morning i opened up my office first phone call of the day was this person a lady there who called and asked me how everything was, but really wasn't sure why she called. She, she sounded like she just called on a whim. And I thought, now that's awfully strange because I didn't leave a message. I just said in my mind, give me a call in a casual, friendly way. And first thing next business day, she gives me a call. So it can be called a coincidence, but I don't think that's adequate to explain it. It isn't. Um, uh, it, coincidence um, implies uh, a possible cause, but doesn't have it embedded in it. So we don't know what it is. There's a lot of things that where two things come together that look like they're not related to each other, but then you can find an under, underlying explanation. And that's part of what I'm up to is being able to find underlying explanations. So you, this is a very common experience that uh many of your audience has had uh, that uh, you you think of someone and they call you especially somebody you haven't heard from from a long time ago what you did a little differently gary was to say i want you to call and that's uh where we're we're going to uh, it's it's a bit like we have uh, a mental internet uh, going out in what i call the psychosphere and you send that message out much the same way you might send an email or a text message to that person, and they pick it up. And that's what uh, I'm very interested in studying is how that psychospheric mental, uh, that mental internet operates. And you were operating on that mental internet from the way I'm thinking. Well, thank you for that explanation. See, that, that gives me context. That makes sense yeah. to me. Uh, one of the one of the notes that I had made um, was from page 119 about group mind. The psychosphere that you talk about is like atmosphere 
but it is for our consciousness and for our thoughts. And I have to tell you, it was it was an important thing for me personally to read what you said, because what I have heard is that there were several scientific discoveries that were made virtually at the same time. And I have to tell you, Dr. Beitman, for most of my life, I said to myself, certainly there was the first one and then somebody else either had a spy in the laboratory or they were somehow getting the information from the other guy who was doing it. And I I always had this sense that it was not legitimate that several people would come up with the same thing at the same time, like two people inventing the telephone at the same time. And in your book, you say that Alexander Graham Bell and the other inventor had their patents arrive at the same day at the at the patent office. So what does that tell you? I mean, the, 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 these guys didn't particularly know each other. I mean, I guess they knew about each other. But the the question on February 14th, uh, 1876, that's Valentine's Day, um, when, when that happened, a lot of people thought the same thing. Somebody had stolen something from somebody else. Yes. And uh, as much as you can prove anything or disprove anything, and they weren't able to find a link between the two uh, men doing their uh, experimenting. So it was not apparent um, that there was a spy around. Uh, And and somehow uh, the legal battle went to Alexander Graham Bell and uh, Elisha Gray lost out on it. And I don't, I didn't follow the details of it, but the, the idea that there wasn't um, some kind of stolen information from one to the other uh, was not evident. Uh, and there's another story in that around that same time about um, Dennis the Menace. Do, do you remember reading that? Yes, I do. Well, you can tell the story. No, you can tell the story. <laughs> we'll let, I'll tell you what. We'll let Mr. Wilson tell the story. He has his own spin on it. What is the story? Uh, I, I, I'd like to hear from Mr. Wilson, but since he's not available, uh, I'll tell it uh, okay. myself. Uh, in March 1951, uh, two uh, comic book uh, cartoon strip characters came out. Um, and uh, in, the, in the United States and in England, and they were both called Dennis the Menace. And each Dennis had a dog uh, and both Dennis's caused trouble for people around them. The difference was the American version was blonde and uh, kind of like what stumbled into difficulties while um, the British one was kind of a British bad boy kind of thing where he did stuff on purpose. And the the dogs in each case were like uh, collaborators in the chaos. Uh, And again, people tried to figure out, did they know each other? Did they learn from each other? Uh, and they couldn't. The, the Dennises were kind of different, but still their names and their behaviors and their disruptiveness were very much the same. And nobody could figure out uh, if there was any kind of uh, spying going on 
on that case either and they both came out at the same time but these are two stories there are hundreds of stories of simultaneous independent discoveries uh one of them is evolution darwin gets the credit but uh but watson but um uh, another guy was doing the same thing but stayed home and came up with the same ideas he was in england too uh the, in 1921 or 22 23 um uh, an article was published uh listing hundreds of simultaneous independent discoveries uh, where one person would discover it and then got the credit for it but then the other person uh didn't get the credit but also uh, revealed that they had made the same finding around the same time and it 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 still continues um and it suggests that we have a group mind from which each of us is picking information more recently with the internet it becomes more apparent that uh that things uh can be communicated by the internet people can pick up lots of stuff from each other so it gets a little more uh confusing now because uh there is a not only an, a, a regular internet but this mental inter- internet that i'm talking about but still it's an important idea that people come up with the same idea around the same time i had this same i had this happen to me where uh i came up with the word uh simulpathity uh meaning uh feeling the pain of a loved one at a distance and uh it was a thing that happened a lot it happened with me and my father uh where he was choking on his own blood and uh, 3000 miles away i was choking uncontrollably uh he died choking on his own blood and he did it on my birthday just to make it more dramatic so i would remember him and then i was able to do a survey and ask people did this happen with any regularity and um a lot of people said yes yeah, sometimes that happens and then more research um pre- previous to mine by Ian Stevenson here in Charlottesville Virginia uh, confirmed uh what he called telepathic impressions um also took place where people felt the pain and distress of a loved one at a distance and it's a form of telepathy uh telepathy used to mean uh tele at a distance pathy feeling but then it became more cognitive which is why i use the term simulpathity another person i know calls it tele empathy which i think is a great name for it as well but these these simultaneous experiences happen with discoveries and they happen with uh, individual uh, personal experiences i read somewhere that thomas edison felt that and he expressed the opinion that ideas are like electricity they're in the air and if he hadn't figured out through much hundreds of attempts if he hadn't figured out how to make the light bulb somebody else would have and so with other scientific discoveries and inventions because the ideas are out there and we attract them probably through interest and desire whatever our motive but that it's a fundamental force not unlike electricity itself yeah uh and that's a good scientific currently scientific way of thinking about things um about this um that the ideas are out there um and if you get a bunch of people who are trying to find out new discoveries 
they are building on the shoulders of giants, the people who have stepped before them and came up with ideas on their own. And uh, they, if you reach high enough because you're curious and want to know, then, then you can uh, uh, discover. Uh, be, but you have to be driven and you have to be looking. And so the ideas are out there. Uh, now, they're out there, well, people will say, because other people have seeded the uh, psychosphere with them. Um, and I think there's some truth to that. Now, there has to be. But just why some people come up with them earlier than others has to do with their own driving their own, own driving need, but they're all, all of this is to say that we are feeding off of a collective mind. Well, as I said, you know, it kind of put to rest my thinking that there is only one discoverer. And I have thought for years that, you know, somebody is copying somebody else or got their paperwork or had some eyes on them or, or something of that nature. But I like your explanation so much better. It is so much more elegant that there is a psychosphere into which we can all get information if that is our interest, that particular thing. And, and so with the ideas being out there, of course, you could have several people all all getting those ideas at the same time or at about the same time within a, a short period of time to progress and move things forward. So again, just one of the things out of your book, Meaningful Coincidences, that I, I was an eye opener for me. The Good. other the other idea that um, I, I really uh, liked uh particularly, and we didn't talk about this before, is the idea of this information being energy, energy information. And, you know, if people don't do this regularly or often or with a facility, why is that? And and in your book, you say, I imagine that the brain, mind, and psychosphere are each composed of the same kind of energy information. They differ from each other in their degree of density, the way water has three densities as ice, liquid, and gas. And then you you quote um, Jung, who you said said something similar. The psyche and the body should be viewed as different manifestations of a single energy and their relationship be understood in terms of the transformation of this energy into greater or lesser states of intensification. And we have talked with um, many people who are interested in how manifesting works. And they say manifesting goes from an idea to through a, a, a thinking form into actual physical manifestation. Ideas become things. Ideas become concrete. And, and so that that idea about the densities of thought, is there anything else that you want to say about that? Because you say it's all energy, but different forms. How does that uh, all connect? Uh, thanks for uh, so accurately on describing what I've written there, it, 
it's a uh, it's a very important idea and people are uh, seem to be using different terms these days to uh, describe the same thing uh, yes. it, it's it, I use energy and information um, just because it's simpler for me um, the uh, the real question and what you're raising is not so much the different densities uh, that you described that were parallel with water and ice and liquid and, and gas. It's the manifestation thing that I think is so important to pay attention to. Uh, manifestation is something that's started with the secret, um, with visualization and uh, a lot of people got turned off by it because uh, it had worked for some, but then for others it didn't. And the trouble was that uh, there was a lack of morality, uh, ethics about uh, what they were trying to imagine. Uh, and they didn't recognize that not only you have to imagine, but you have to energize the what you're thinking about. And then you have to go out in the world and uh, see if you can find it. Uh, you, there's there's more involved in manifestation than just having a thought form go out into the world. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Uh, so Gary thought of somebody uh, and wanted that person to call, and the person called. Uh, that's a little. That's you can call that manifesting, uh, and it's a simple form of it, if you would want to call it that. Uh, but to be able to make something happen, uh, you've got to have the energy. You have to have, I think, an ethical uh, aspect to it that you're not taking away from somebody else, which uh, is easy enough to be able to think about doing. And it has to be possible. Uh, like uh, One of my favorite old examples was uh, being an Eskimo, say, in the early 1900s somewhere uh, near Nome, Alaska, and uh, wanting to have a camel come by and give you a rug. Uh, and if you, the harder you think about that, uh, you can still see that it's unlikely to happen. There's not too many camels around in Nome, Alaska, back in the 1900s, uh, walking around with rugs and somebody to sell you one. So you have to have some kind of practicality involved. But just this this manifestation thing uh, takes work. You got to do something, and so I'm I've got another book uh, just got accepted. Uh, it didn't happen because uh, I thought it. It helped that I thought it, but I had to write it, and writing it is work, and I had to think about working it, and then I had to want it to be published but that didn't mean it was going to be published so there's a lot of reality that uh, manifestors have to pay attention to it's not enough to lie on your bed um, and stare at a thousand dollar bill that you put up on the ceiling um, it it's uh it takes more than that i i see the tie-in between manifesting and meaningful coincidences when you d decide you're going to you want to manifest something and it's it, it it's going to be a particular um, thing or a particular feeling about 
having something in your life, the idea that I understand from your book is that you can mentally begin to be aware and look for how these things can come about. And maybe that's part of the work that that you're saying. You can't lie on the bed and, you know, wish the thousand dollars, but you can keep that in mind, go out to the world, and all of a sudden there's coincidences that are occurring. Hey, I've got a job for you and it pays a thousand dollars. You know, can you do it? That's where the meaningful coincidence part comes in, where that thought form, that energy, if you if you do take it out of the out of the room you're in, has a chance to manifest. And it isn't that part of the work, your thinking part, isn't that part of, of what you need to do? When you say thinking part, what do you mean? The visualizing. Yeah, yeah, the, that part. That part of it. But you gotta be looking around. That's what you're saying as well. Uh you have right. to be yeah. And and that's a whole idea about behind this synchronicity thing and that you're very much helping us do and helping our audience do which i tried to describe uh, what synchronicity and meaningful coincidences were in my book meaningful coincidences uh, which came out last year uh, and it's the idea that they happen a lot synchronicities meaningful coincidences but if you ain't paying attention to them you're not going to see them the primary cause of a meaningful coincidence is your noticing them it's something like the tree falling in the forest if you don't notice the coincidence it hasn't happened but somebody else could notice it i've had stories of people experiencing a coincidence but not noticing it but somebody who knows them seeing it and say hey that was an interesting uh synchronicity that just happened there and then that helps too that somebody's got to notice it our ability to observe as uh some experiments in quantum physics tell us the observer effect is very important without the observation the thing doesn't come into existence Let's go ahead and take our break. We're talking once again with Dr. Bernard Beitman, author of Meaningful Coincidences, How and Why Synchronicity and Serendipity Happen. Lots more to be said on this subject. We'll do our best on the other side of a short break. We are Manson Mitchell. Thanks for tuning in. We will be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. 
Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Dr. Bernard Beitman, author of Meaningful Coincidences, to talk about how and why synchronicity happens. On Saturday, Matt Shea, a reporter on the street, tells us about spooky and fun places to go and things to do this Halloween season in and around the sound. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007, we are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Talk radio for the heart and soul. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Dr. Bernard Beitman. He is the author of Meaningful Coincidences, How and Why Synchronicity and Serendipity Happen. Book came out in 2022. Fabulous, interesting reading about how synchronicity happens and how you can actually make it happen and the different types that there are. Dr. Beitman, if people want to connect with you in some way, is there a website, social media, anything where uh, people can get your book and connect with you? Yes. Um, my name is Bernard Beitman. And if you put that into your search engine, you're going to come up with my website. Uh, you also come up with uh, the Coincidence Project website, and you can go from there. I also have a Psychology Today blog, um, which will also you'll also find by putting my name in your search engine. And I have a YouTube channel uh, now has a, about 120. Um, shows on there uh, that you can you can see or hear it's also audio on uh, and it's on um, several different platforms um, and you can listen or watch and we talk about synchronicity uh, almost every time uh, so if with different people who have different experiences so I'm pretty much specialized in synchronicity and it's a funny thing to be specialized in something like that because it synchronicity is everywhere and covers a lot of different experience human experiences so it's one thing that's a clue to uh how reality works uh, interpersonally spiritually and also in in our daily lives with with work and needing things so you put my name in there bernard Beitman. you'll You'll, you'll get a taste of all the stuff that I'm, interest, I'm interested in doing and learn, hopefully, yourself. But the thing I'd like to, uh, to emphasize, and thanks for asking me this, uh, is that we have um, on the, in the Coincidence Project uh, something called the Coincidence Cafe. And the Coincidence Cafe is a Zoom meeting that has about 25 to 50 people showing up. 
and uh, we in, we break up into small groups after a brief introduction to some topic, and we tell each other coincidence stories, and then come out of the small groups and uh, tell the whole group about some of the experiences in the smaller groups. And you can get to that by going to the Coincidence Project, all one word, the Coincidence Project dot net the coincidence project dot net and i think you might be able to put that on your website too i like that coincidence project dot dot net and people will get together in groups and talk about their various synchronicities correct correct Correct. okay that's a a wonderful way to get even more information out there uh, about this and i also just wanted to make sure that people spell your name correctly biteman is spelled b-e-i-t-m-a-n b-e-i-t so i just want to make sure people know that thank you where do you see all of this going a year five years ten years down the road after we're all gone, is this a way, is this the pathway, doctor, for through synchronicity, the possibilities of telepathy, of afterlife communication, perhaps? We get into that often enough on our program. Do you think there will come a time when religion and science will be able to embrace each other in a way that achieves a commonality for the higher good? Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us today, Dr. Biden. <laughs> Please oh, you say you such say, a positive you, word. Yes. All right. That's a good start. Oh, you want me to say some more, I guess, huh? Yes. Uh, okay. Yes, he says. Okay. Yeah. Well, yes. Um I, I'm trying to make a, a science out of synchronicity, just in case you didn't notice, uh, by by developing a taxonomy of coincidences, and you can see them in my book, um, the four different kinds of synchronicity is one, serendipity, simulpathity I mentioned, and seriality, which is like seeing uh, 11-11s all over the place, but there's lots of different forms of seriality and serendipity, which we won't get into today. But so a taxonomy, but I also want to get to the fundamentals of what make up a meaningful coincidence, which is mind and object. A mental event matches an object in the environment as the most common version. And what that suggests, that if my mind is matching something in my environment, it could be telepathy, it could be a song you thought of and they're played on the radio, or you needed something and it showed up somehow, which I'm hearing more and more of. It's a form of manifestation, but not a direct one where need is matched by an event in the environment. And psychological things you can learn, spiritual developments you can learn. But if you think about mind, your mind, which is supposedly encased in your skull, matching something that's in your environment, like uh, some money that you need or an idea you need, that begins to make a major transformation in the way we think about reality our minds are much more part of our environment than we have been taught and synchronicity is telling us that our minds and our environment are much more together than we realize and once you start realizing that you begin to see the interconnectedness of all things synchronicity 
highlights, illuminates the invisible currents that connect and unite us, not only with each other as humans, but with trees, with birds, with nature, with fish, with what's around us, including Earth, Earth itself. And there are ways in which we can connect with Earth as well. Once we start seeing this interconnectedness, and not just seeing it, because I can say, hey, Manson Mitchell, we're all connected. You hear that a lot. Everything's connected. You hear that a lot. Okay, well, not enough. You have to have the experience of feeling the connectedness with other people and with trees, which I feel, and birds, which I'm beginning to feel more of, and nature around us, once we start seeing that we're all part of the same thing, and not just in some kind of general statement, but the Israelis and the Palestinians are part of the same thing. The Russians and the Ukrainians are part of the same thing. The fights in Africa, because you have a different name for a religion, you're different, you can beat each other up. It's not about power anymore, about beating up and controlling people, which is what we've got too much of. It's the recognition of our own interconnectedness so that what is happening to someone else is in a way happening to us. And once we see how that works, as synchronicity can show us, show us our illuminating pathways between us, I see it as one of the many ways people are working to try to have a world of peace and love. Yeah, like in old hippies, but I'm looking for I'm looking for fun. I'm looking for giggles. I'm looking for loving people. I love to love. It's really a lot of fun. And to learn stuff. And synchronicity yes. is opening yeah. us up to the potential of opening our hearts and minds to each other. To be able to love and be loved is one of the hardest things for people to learn. Learn how to love and be loved. That's tough. And we can do that. And synchronicity is a way of showing us how we can do it. So this is not just telling stories. This is a synchronicity. This is about trying to be one of the ways in which I am trying to help heal the world, heal the people in it, heal our negative reactions to each other to see that there's love potential among and between us and we can have a good time together. I'm really into having a good times. Uh, it's just like, why not? We can do it. But we don't, we, when synchronicity can be one of the ways that shows us how. Prophetically, it is said in the Bible that the lion shall lie down with the lamb but if you look around you, the lion may lie down with the lamb, but only one of them gets up again. And that's where we are at as a species. There is this aggressiveness, this acquisitiveness. And Suzanne Mitchell, seated across from me, has been reading a book about, you know, I call it the, <laughs> the book that asks, why can't we be more like trees? That is the title of the book. <laughs> the title of the book is Why Can't We Be More Like Trees? What what'd you think of what you think of that book? Because I'm having her on my on my podcast. I love the book. I love the book. And uh, the connection between you and she is on your page 158, 
where you say earth is trying to tell us we are not masters, we are guests. When Gary and I went to Yellowstone uh, National Park a few years ago, and we went to the little station that welcomed us, they said, I just want to remind you that this is the home of the animals and you are a guest here. So treat the animals at Yellowstone National Park with respect. It was just flatly put out there like that. And what I was reading in um, in the other book about trees was that, you know, we're just beginning to get the sense that we should respect the animals. And there is a... a Alpida and you know don't try not to kill all the animals and you know the elephants for their tusks and the tigers for their skins but also that author says the same thing applies to plants they they everything on this planet is connected and humans at some point decided that we were better and smarter than everything else Gary and I watch a lot of nature kinds of shows and, and we, we look at various animal groups and bird groups and, you know, how they live and what they do. They have a whole big life going on that has absolutely nothing to do with humans. And they're climbing mountains. They're having their young. They're eating. They're doing whatever it is they need to do. They're completely unaware of the fact that we think we're running the show and we are no better than any tree, no better than any animal. And it is all connected. So I love the fact that you are, are on that same page with us about that. Declaring it as you just did so well has to then yield to the experience of it. Mm-hmm. And the synchronicities you can have with trees, as I have had, or with birds, or with butterflies, and with other people. Heart and mind love connections. This romance sexual thing that has driven so many people and so much a part of our American culture, and worldwide to some degree, has to be replaced by the sublimation of the genetic the the gene drive the 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 drive of of sexual energy converted up into heart and mind energy so that we can love more people and more people can love us and it's so much it's so much more fun uh than having to be just sexual with this one or that one than being able to find people that you can connect with and synchronicity is one way that you can end up connecting with people i'm going be doing a workshop on uh, romance and synchronicity uh, they are very closely related to each other sometimes and sometimes and can be misused but sometimes that romantic synchronicity brings loving heartfelt mental connections with people and that's what i'm trying to be able to say so many others are this could be a playground here 
And we're going through a massive transformation, as Gary was saying, of power and killing. Uh, and some people say it's an apocalypse and are ready to have um, everybody be dead and those who believe in certain form of Christianity rise up and be saved. And there's others who see this as a cleansing project uh, that is going to make it easier for us to connect with each other. So we're at a knife's edge right now. Which way are we going to go? And synchronicity is one of the ways to make it go into a more loving, caring, fun-filled, learning thing than the destructive one that is seems so prevalent. What I've found over the years, and I've had countless synchronicities out, it's a shame I didn't journal them, really. I'd love to count them all up, the ones that I noticed anyway. They seem to answer questions that I entertain, and I may even ruminate about them for a while, quite a bit. And then something will happen where I have an aha moment, like, oh, this is what reality is trying to tell me. This is what the higher power is indicating to me. And it answers my question in a way that is pictorial at times through an event that happens but i get it that light bulb goes on over my head and i realize that's the answer to my question the thing that i've been concerned about for x number of days or weeks and here's the answer but it shows up in a way that seemingly is a causal i'm so glad you bring that up because that's what happens and the more i talk with people and give them kind of uh, an example like that, just like that, an idea. You needed information. Sometimes you need people uh, to show up. And I talked to some guy the other day, two guys, and they said, that's, that's the way I live my life, but I didn't have names for it. Uh, and you've got the names because I've written the books. So they're interested in talking with me, but they write my books they they do more stuff than i do because they're out there running around i tend to stay home and write stuff down so what you just described happens a lot i'm just trying to bring that to public awareness that this is part of the way this reality works at least for a lot of us to you get what you need and the rolling stones said it pretty well you can try sometime just might find you get what you need, not necessarily what you want. In um, in Meaningful Coincidences, you say coincidences can offer clues to how reality works. And I, I think that's a, a, a big interest of a lot of people who are who ask themselves, you know, what is this all about? How do I make my way in the world? How does this all work? And, uh, and this is one avenue which is not common right now. You're going to make it common, but for people to be aware of the synchronicities, aware of the various things that happen um, can give us those clues. How does, you know, how does this all work? How can we get connected? And, and I think there is a, a, a need for that now to happen. And and this is one way that it can. It is. So thank, and, thank you. It for is. That. And and yeah. yes, yeah, I am trying to make synchronicities more part of the fabric of people's lives because it is anyway. You just have to pay attention, and you'll see them. 
And so that is part of my job. Uh, and I find meaning in life by helping people find meaning in coincidences. That's part of what I do. What's your purpose? So meaningful coincidences can help people find their purposes in life. And how how to do this all is going to be the need for training programs and feedback loops and people learning from each other to make this happen. I'm trying to be able to do that. As for how does re how reality works, uh, it, the mysterious is hiding in plain sight, and that plain sight is synchronicity. And we started off with uh, Gary's telepathic thing. Once you start uh, re recognizing that telepathy is real, that changes the way the world has to be thought about from modern science. I've, I'm going to submit uh, a post to Psychology Today, um, and I, I think they're going to reject it. Um, but I got a approval for their journals that, I use, and I think uh, we can we can probably end up end with what I'm trying to be able to say with psychology today. the The title of this post is that is does the Earth's magnetic field act as an internet of the mind? Does the Earth's magnetic field act as an inter internet of the mind? Uh, it's a speculative approach to explaining mind-to-mind -mind communication. And I go through statements like from author Virginia Woolf saying our minds are threaded together and all the world's a mind. All the world's a mind, she says. And the evidence for Psy has been published in a recognized psychology journal, The American Psychologist. The data is there. And that, that we have a collective mind is recognized in sociology. So in sociology, the collective mind is how institutions hold societies together, like um, fostering patriotism and nationalism, among other things. And the noosphere, which is another name for the psychosphere, is has developed evolutionarily as the sphere of the mind on this planet. All this stuff is there, and synchronicity makes us have to think about it and how uh, how these energetic fields of the geomagnetic field of the Earth and the biofields around us help understand telepathy is what the article is about. But once modern science faces the possibility of mind-to-mind -mind communication, non-locally, but not, not not in outer space non-locally, but just someplace else that's not where I am, then our views of reality begin to change a lot. And telepathy is a real nice hook into creating an, a change in the way we think about reality. And that's part of what I'm doing. Do you feel like you have come very far from your schooling and your initial career in medicine and psychiatry to where you are today? Or were you always thinking like this? Well, as you, as you will see uh, when you read my next book, which I hope will be called The Adventures of Dr. Coincidence, you will see that I started with this when I was eight or nine. 
and did it playing football and baseball. I mean, that's where I saw a lot of this stuff. Uh, and while I was a resident at Stanford, I was a halftime hippie. So my favorite chapter is really uh, called Psychedelic San Francisco, late 60s, early 70s, where there was nothing about synchronicity was spoken there. A lot, there was a lot of it there. So I've been doing this all my life, uh, experiencing them. And this is just a manifestation of a life of meaningful coincidences. Bernie Biteman in Psychedelic San Francisco. Now, there's a book I would read. <laughs> it's his next book. Well, you, you get the book. I mean, I had a really good time. It's the longest chapter. I mean, some of the stuff that happened there, was some of them were a little easier ones, but some of them were what we might call still far out and groovy. <laughs> uh, oh, you're in the right crowd here. That's for sure. And it, it's, it's confession time. Did you ever own a bead curtain? <laughs> no, I just walked through them. <laughs> man, it smells like patchouli in here, man. <laughs> where's Where's the Carlos Castaneda books? <laughs> you got it. You got it. I, I was. I was learning. I was doing tarot card reading. So you'll you'll read about how I became a tarot card reader and what I did with it. That was part of the part of that experience. We want to be one of the first to yes. interview you yes. on that grand occasion. I I grew up in Orange County, California. The other end of California, Nixon land, and that kind of stuff was generally frowned upon. Yes. Still, I was exposed to that. Some of my classmates were into that. And ever since I've thought of that as a nostalgic time, a time of exploration, of experimentation. Well, I don't think of it as a nostalgic time. I think of it as uh, another school I went to. I went to Swarthmore and I went to Haight Street. Uh, and those are the two best educational experiences of my life. Mm. When do you anticipate your next book coming out? Uh, it's probably uh, 2025. Ah, okay. okay. They take a long time, these guys. Yeah, yeah, they do. Well, we, we still want one of the first copies. Yes, and we can preview <laughs> it and hear some of those stories next time you join us, I hope. Dr. Bernard Beitman, he is the author of Meaningful Coincidences, How and Why Synchronicity and Serendipity Happen. Always a pleasure, Doctor. Thank you for joining us again today. Uh, you're very welcome. And I love how you read this stuff and you really know it. So it's a pleasure talking with you. So I'll see you again. Yes, you will. Thank you. All right. You want to stay tuned for Robin Alexis and at one o'clock today, Pacific time, American road trip talk with host Gary Mance. In the meantime, we'll be back tomorrow at 10 AM. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this is the start of a great weekend.